Okay, so how are you all doing? Are you good? Um, a couple of things. Wasn't that video phenomenal? You couldn't read it. Check it out. On, um, I'll send it out, actually. I'll send you a link in the WhatsApp group. If you're not in the Hope WhatsApp group, let me know, and I can add you in if you want to. All it is is we just use it to keep in touch with each other. You don't, um, you don't get a list of jobs out of it or anything like that. We really do just need to use it to keep in touch with each other. And if we see videos or something like that that are kind of um, inspiring or challenging or something, we send them to each other as well. So if you're not in it, let me know, and I'll add you if you want to be added to it. You can always opt out at any time if you want to. Everyone knows you did. No, they don't. No, I'm only joking. But, but you can opt out any time you want So. Um, but just let me know if you want to, and I'll send that link out. But it's a phenomenal idea. I don't know that it'd work here, because I don't think Amazon do same de- deliveries here. But, uh, but imagine just being able to walk by somebody and go, man, what do you need? And one guy there said, I need everything. It was hard enough to read the... Um... That's what I get for messing with the mic. Can you hear it now? Um, just to be able to walk in, one guy said, everything was robbed on me last night. All his clothes, his phone, and everything. And it was the guy who got the two bags. I just thought, that is like a phenomenal idea. We're, like these guys who do this stuff don't even claim to be Christian or anything. They're just like, they want to make a difference in the world. And we all live in a world that needs a difference made in it. We're placed in a community that needs a difference made in it. We're here for a reason. We're not just here by random chance. Um, we're in Crumlin because God has placed us in Crumlin. And he wants us here and he wants us to do something in this area and to make a difference in this area. Um, and I want to continue on this week from where we were going last week. And, and if you missed last week's session, maybe you could have a listen to the podcast and it'll give you a bit of background and give you a chance to catch up. It's online. It's available for anybody. Um, <coughs> excuse me. But I started from this place and I made a statement that said, I am an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. And I really believe that is true for every single one of us sitting in this room, that there is an eternal destiny for each one of you. There is a, like we were created with purpose, on purpose, for purpose, with purpose. We're not here by accident. We're not, you're not in the job you're in by accident. You're not in the school you're in by accident. You're not in the community you're in by accident. Where we live, the family we have, the, the opportunities we have to bring God's kingdom into whatever situation we're in. Like God's kingdom isn't just about being part of a church or being in a, in a group of people like this who meet on a Sunday morning. It's about life. It's about being involved in all parts of our life. Everywhere I go, I'm, I'm not just a Christian when I come to church on a Sunday. I'm not just following Jesus when I'm here. I follow Jesus tomorrow. I was, I was doing a workshop the other day, um, a secular workshop for a secular group of people, but I said, well, Jesus was with me and I was following Jesus in that. I was bringing the kingdom of God. Um, I was in a wedding yesterday down in Trim. There was no one in that place except one man who was claiming to be a believer. But we were bringing the kingdom of God into that place. You, you don't have to be just going to a church to be following Jesus. And that's not the only way or the only place we do it. And I was saying last week as well that God has plans for us. And the plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans to give us a hope and a future. Plans to do and see good things happening in our life. But that plan is based on where we're at with God. The fruition of that plan is based on where we're at with God. How much of that plan is going to come to pass in my life will depend on where my relationship with God is. Because if I'm in a bad place with him, I miss stuff. 
Wherever, wherever in a, um, a relationship, parents may notice, we're ever going to do something nice for your kids and then they go and make a mess of something one day and you're like, well, I'm not bringing him to McDonald's now. We ever like that? Some years are smiling at me and some years are going, God, I wouldn't do that to me kids. Right. But you would, wouldn't you? You know what I mean? You're thinking, oh, yeah, just, I'll bring the kids somewhere nice today and then they all get up in their brats and you're like, well, you're not bringing them anywhere. Okay? I think sometimes we can be a bit like that with God. I think sometimes he has plans where he wants to bless us and we get in a huff over something else and he's going, well, sure, there's no point. They just, and it's not even that he's vindictive or he doesn't want to bless us, but if my blessing is over there and, and I'm supposed to be kind of walking this way, being whatever way I'm supposed to be, and I end up being over here because I'm in a hump over something, then my blessing is over there. It's like my Christmas present's over there, but I'm in the wrong place looking for it. And there's two, just before we started, um, there was two scriptures that, 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 that came to mind and I added them in here and I just want us to have a look at them because I think this is really important. In Matthew, just skip ahead there, Tony, please. In Matthew 28, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This was Jesus speaking to his disciples, telling them what to do very shortly before he ascended back into heaven. Therefore go into all the nations and make disciples, teaching them what I have commanded you, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And we love quoting that one where God said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you and I'll be with you always to the end of the age. But there was that little bit before it. He didn't promise just to be with me just so I'd have a nice cozy life. He promised to be with me because I would be out doing my father's business and now trying to introduce and teach other people to be disciples of Jesus. And that's not always um, easy and it's not always comfortable. And some of it involves challenging and some of it involves um, tough conversations sometimes. Just like parenting involves tough conversations with your kids sometimes. Because you have to teach them how to live in the world. And, and I'm not saying that we're called, we are not called to be other people's parents, but we are called, every single one of us, not just people who stand up the front of a judge with a microphone, but that word is for everyone. Go and make disciples. Go and teach people how to follow Jesus. The best way we can do that is to be trying to follow Jesus ourselves. If we're doing it, it's going to be much easier to show other people what to do. If we're just going to go out and give people loads of this and tell them what they should be doing while we're going off and doing whatever we want to do, then it's not going to have the same impact. Is that fair enough? And there's another part as well. For a church to function, it needs loads of people doing loads of different things. And, and there's another place in the scriptures where it talks about there being a fivefold ministry. You just put the next one up for me, second, Tony. And in that, in Corinthians, it also goes back and talks about it from the Old Testament. It says there's five different giftings that God gives people. There's apostles, pastors, teachers, prophets, and evangelists. And within this group of people, all of those gifts exist. Within this group of people. But we're not all using them. Being a prophet does not mean you're a fortune teller. It doesn't mean you tell the truth, the, the future. It just means you speak truth into situations. Sometimes God gives you an idea of what's going to happen in the future. 
But most times it just means speaking truth into situations. Being an apostle just means somebody who goes out and starts things. They see a need and they go, we can do something to fix that. We can, do, we can make a difference in that place. Being a teacher is just somebody who knows how to take something they've learned and pass it on to other people. Being a pastor is someone who goes around and takes care of people, who's there to meet them for a coffee or mind them. Being an evangelist is someone who's willing to step out of their own comfort zone and tell someone else about Jesus and give them an opportunity to accept him. You've all, at some stage, if you're walking with Jesus for any length of time, probably done all of them things. But there's some of us have more kind of leaning towards one of them gifts than another. But the reality of it is, in any body that I've ever experienced in nearly 30 years walking with the Lord, those gifts are in the people sitting in a room. But whether the people are using them or not is a different story. <laughs> but it's how do we get, how do you get from having these promises to step into being a disciple, to move towards helping make other people disciples, finding out what your gifts are and then operating in them. And, and the reality of it is, I promise you, you all have gifts. Every one of you. You're all able to do something. And most of you are able to do stuff that other people in the room can't do. And the amazing thing about that is if we all do it together, then it works well. But when we're not doing it together, it just doesn't work as good. And we miss chances, that's all it is. We miss chances. We miss chances to make an impact in someone else's life. We miss chances to be all that we can be, to step into that place where the future and the plan that God has for us can come to pass. And the bit I talked about last week as well was that we needed to define what this relationship was that we had with Jesus. Are we actually followers of Jesus? Are we actually disciples of Jesus? Or am I just a fan? Am I just somebody who knows loads about him? And I was thinking, do you actually know him or do you know about him? There's fan clubs all over the world who know loads about everybody. I've met lads and they can tell me everything about whoever the star player the Man United is. Do you know what height he is, what colour he is, what his hair is? how many kids he has or hasn't got, whether he likes this drink or that drink or the other drink, but they don't know him. And I have met over the years loads of people who know loads about Jesus. Loads. They go to church every week, some of them. They can quote the Bible to me in Greek and Hebrew and all kinds of stuff. And they look like experts. But I don't think they know him. Because here's the truth of it. If you actually knew him, your life is never going to be the same again. You can know about someone forever, but knowing them is different. In the scriptures in Philippians, there's a guy called Paul, and he was a, a, what they call a Pharisee. He knew all about God and what he should be doing to please him. And he looked really religious, and he was, and he was very kind of gung-ho, I'm going to do everything for God. But he only actually knew Jesus after he met him. And I just want to read what he wrote from Philippians 3. It says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it's a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs. He had a nice way with words. 
those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for it's we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of the God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was my, to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I considered everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God, and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection. Verse 8 says, Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And I was looking up, because I'm no Greek or Hebrew scholar, so I was looking up what these things actually meant. But the word know in that context, in that verse, is talking about the intimate knowledge that a husband and a wife have. And that intimate knowledge goes beyond even the physical. It goes into the emotional, the spiritual, in every way. There is no one on the face of this planet that knows me better than that. Or there's no one on the face of this planet that I know better than that. And if you can take that and even multiply it, that's the relationship God wants to have with you. And not that he just wants to know about you, because he already does. There is nothing we can hide from him. But he wants you to know him that way. He wants you to be able to go, I know him. I know him. I don't only know about him, I know him. When Paul met him, Jesus went from being one of many to one and only. And I was wondering, where, where's my pecking order? Where's my first commitment to? Is it Jesus or is it not? Because whenever you see Jesus connecting with people in the Gospels, it's always about the commitment. He's always after the commitment. He's always trying to find out where he at with me. When he had hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people following him, he always said things that made them live. Most times we're in church nowadays, we're trying to get people to stay. But in essence, he was always seemed to be trying to get people to leave. Because he was like, if you're not, don't want to take this seriously, well then, gee, you might as well go off now. No point in hanging around for six months and then running away. You're going to run away anyway. His whole thing was about commitment. And he said something in Luke that I find even hard to, to think. He said in Luke 14, he said, if you want to be my disciples, you must hate everyone else by comparison your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters and brothers. And I think that's like, hate is a very strong word to be using in that. But I really think Jesus was trying to point people towards how radical what he was talking about was. I don't hate anybody else on this planet. I don't hate Anne. I don't hate my wife. I don't hate my kids. I don't hate me, my mother or father. But I have him first. But that was a process. That didn't happen overnight. But it requires us making a decision. And I think if you remember last week, I was talking about Nicodemus having to make a decision. And he was making a decision about whether Jesus was going to be his number one or not. And I, married, like, I was in Trim yesterday and I married a couple. 
who were getting married there. Met them a few times, and we had a lovely day, and it was a lovely service, and people enjoyed it, and all that kind of stuff. And this couple got up. And here was the thing. When they stood up, and I invited them up to stand, and, and we did, you know, you have to do the vows, and do you take this man, and do you take this woman, and all the rest of it. They never promised to have loads of lovers. They never promised to have multiple relationships. They promised that they would have one relationship with each other. And it would only be him for her and her for him. That from this day on, actually I think they said these exact words, forsaken all others, I will only be with you. And it stuck to me that they're making a decision in that place to be exclusive. And Jesus is looking for us to make a decision to be exclusive. To have him. And here's the funny thing. Anne used to be my number one. She was on the pedestal. She was the God that I, that I worshipped, along with many other bits and pieces. But I wouldn't have done anything that would jeopardize the relationship I had with her. And God messed with it because it was in the wrong place. And she needed to get taken off of that pedestal and Jesus put on that pedestal. And you know the funny thing? She's got a better marriage now with me because she's not on that pedestal and God is than she ever had when I had her on it. Much better relationship because I'm in a better place and I'm healthier and I'm balanced more and all the rest of it. And sometimes we think if we, if, we, if we move someone out of a place to put God in there, we're going to lose that person. But the reality of it is, if you're a better person, the chances of losing that are very slim. Very slim. But if you've got a relationship with the God of the universe, with the creator of heaven and earth, with the one who loves your soul, who went to a cross and died for you, what is there on this planet to compare with that? What is there? And I was reading a book, and, and um, it's been because I've been trying to, because I really believe God wants to challenge me to work towards making disciples. Not just to have a bunch of people who come on a Sunday and we have a nice time and then we all go home and forget about it for the rest of the week. But to work towards making disciples, to talk about some of the, the tough stuff, the stuff that's uncomfortable to listen to and to say. To have them conversations one-to-one, -one, but also to be willing to speak about it from here. Because we're called to make disciples. You're called to make disciples. And disciples are people who follow Jesus and do what that scripture said. Teach them to obey what I've commanded. Jesus said to do certain things. It's said our love, it's said from a place of love, but it's stuff that he wants us to do. And I was reading this book and it was saying, if you really want to know if you're a follower of Jesus, check how you're doing in these areas. Where are you at with this? Where are you at with that? Where are you at the other? And like one of them was time. Where do you spend your time? What gets your time? Is it like, and there's nothing wrong with anything in the world that you want to do with your time. Well, some things, you can't kill people and things like that. That's probably not good. But robbing banks and stuff. But like generally, the stuff we do, I love watching movies. I love listening to music. I love going out for a day, meal. I love doing all them kind of things. But the part that gets challenged for me as time is, 
when there's something needs doing for the kingdom. Do you remember that second song we sang? And I stopped and I said, that's a big prayer. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. That's easy to stand in a group of 20 people or 40 people and sing. On a Tuesday evening when you're wrecked and you just want to sit down and flop out in front of the telly and someone needs you to go and help them do something or sit with them through a crisis, that's a whole different ballgame. But that's what that song we were singing and that's what Jesus calls us to do because that's what Jesus would have done. That's what he would want. That's what I'd want someone to do for me if I was in a jock. I'd want them not to go, oh, listen, I can't go and see you because Coronation Street is on. This is too important. Where's the priority around my time? Where's the priority around money? That's always a fun one. What do we do with our money? We went through the whole, um, and we don't teach it much here about money. We don't take up collections. We don't chase you for your cash. And this isn't about chasing you for your cash. But what do you do with your money? Where does it go? Do you invest everything I am for your kingdom's cause? So is any of your money going into the kingdom? Or is it all going into your own kingdom? A while back, the Lord um, challenged us. Many years ago when we were in St. Mark's, the Lord challenged us to start tithing and start supporting people doing different bits and pieces. So we did, and they used to tithe 10%. So whenever we got money, we gave 10% into the church. And then about three years ago, and we done the same when we started Hope, we used to tie it into Hope, and then about three years ago, he, he challenged us to up it. Actually, the same year that I finished working in the, in, the, in the prison after having the breakdown, and I went self-employed. That exact same time when I had little or no money coming in was the time the Lord said to me, I want you to up your tie to 20%. And he's always honored it, and I believe that, and we can do a, a conversation about tie at some other time. But he believes in us given much more than we believe in us given. He knows that money and time and all of them kind of things grab your heart and grab my heart. And by giving is the only way we have of releasing ourselves from that trap. We had an opportunity to get into um, a pension scheme maybe 18, 19 years ago, a guy from St. Mark's that we knew was selling pensions and we sat with him and we done all the figures and all the rest of it. And we had a choice to invest a hundred quid a month into a pension or do something else with it. And I know this sounds real kind of holy because I'm not really that holy, but I prayed. I really did try and pray and go, what am I supposed to do here, God? And I really, there was a scripture that came to me and I said, don't put your money where rotten rust and moths can destroy it and thieves can steal it, but put your money into something that's going to be eternal. So we, we put that money into supporting people going through Bible college instead of having a pension scheme. Now, I don't know how much that would have amounted to, but it was a good, serious amount of money. But by the time the crash came, that would have been wood zippo. Gone. All the money we'd have invested in the pension scheme would have been gone. But we invested it in the kingdom, where moth and rust can't get it. And I'm not saying any of that to say, oh, look, aren't we great? We're not great. But we're obedient. And because we're obedient, we experience blessings from God. And, and this isn't, um, I'm not getting into the prosperity gospel and grab it and blab it and all that kind of stuff. But there is definitely rules around sowing and reaping that God walks the universe on. And it happens with your time and it happens with your cash. 
And this is the last question that I asked myself. I have two others that I wanted to ask you and just leave you with it. Where do you go when you're hurt? Who do you go to for comfort? Who do you go to to, to get release? And my go-to was someone else. Someone's done something on me, I go and talk to someone else about it. Usually just ate the back out of the other person and then get someone on my side so that I can kind of like, well, I have an ally here, they know he's a pig as well. So I feel better with that. But God has challenged me over and over and over again. You should be coming to me with your hurt. Not going to them. I am I, I'm not on Facebook at the moment. Um, I haven't been for the last couple of months. But I got really tired of people putting their hurt on Facebook. That's not going to cure anything or heal anything. It's just like, oh, this guy did this, and that girl did that, and it's like, what's the point? It's not going to help anyone. It's only going to make matters worse. If you, if you have an issue with somebody, go talk to them. Or leave it if it's not important enough. But that kind of stuff doesn't help anybody. And it certainly doesn't do anything for the kingdom of God. It just doesn't. So if you have hurt, go. When, when I crashed that time in work and I ended up, the first person I went to see was a doctor. And then I was talking to Anne. But in the midst of underneath all of that, I was crying out to God. Just keep me alive. Keep me going. And he did. And he does. And he uses other people. And if you've been hurt, see a counsellor. Go and speak to somebody that you know, that knows God and loves God and pray with you and stand with you. But don't go looking for allies for the war. Because that won't help. It really won't. You'll feel better about yourself for a really short time. But it won't last. God will give you grace to carry your burden. But he won't give you grace to carry someone else's. We, um, we're starting Hope. I had a conversation with Gary Davison, who was our pastor from St. Mark's for years. And he said one thing to me. And he said, Brian, when people hurt you in church, which they will, don't tell Anne. And I went, sorry? And he went, don't tell Anne. And I said, we don't kind of have any secrets. We're not good at that. It causes issues between us. He said, this will cause more issues for you. Because God will give you grace to carry whatever people do on you, but he won't give it to her. Just think about that for a minute. He has given her grace. For, there's people in hope and outside of hope who have hurt Anne desperately, and he's given her grace. And she just moves on. And I want to kill them. Because he doesn't give me the grace to carry her hurt. And he doesn't give her the grace to carry my hurt. Are you with me? If I go and spread my hurt around a bunch of people, they don't have grace to carry that. They, I, other people don't have the grace to carry your hurt. But you have. If you want it, he'll give it to you. But if you go spreading the dirt, you're just cutting yourself off from it. You really are. Here's two questions to ask yourself. I'm not going to talk about them. One is, what disappoints or frustrates you the most? And what excites you the most? And all of them questions are just about, where are you really at with God? Where are you really at? Do you know this Jesus I'm even talking about? Do you know about him? Have you ever met him? Have you allowed him to come into your life to change you from the inside out? 
have you have you been introduced to him and then as soon as he started rattling your cage a bit you were like whoa back off leave me alone because he will rattle your cage he will upset things because he has better for us he has better for you he has better for me two really quick things Scriptures and make it very, very clear in loads of places that if I want to follow Jesus, then I need to follow him alone. He won't share. He won't be happy with me following him and having a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of the other. No more can I tell you than Anne would be happy if I told her I was just going out for dinner with another woman tomorrow night. Can you, any of you, see knowing my wife? Would she be happy with that? Think I'd be happy with her telling me you should go and have dinner with another fella? No. But that wouldn't be good, would it? If I was off having affairs, having relationships with other people when I'm supposed to be exclusive. And that's what God's after. But you know what? He'll be exclusive with you. He will be exclusive with you, just as He's asking you, us to be exclusive with Him. And He'll do anything that needs to be done to bring his promises to pass in your life. And his promise from Jeremiah again is that I know the plans I have for you and that to prosper you and not to harm you and that to give you a hope and a future. But they depend on me being a follower. And I'm going to tell you, I am a follower. I have made the choices. And I make the choices every day. I made choices yesterday. I made choices this morning. I woke up this morning and I wasn't feeling like, ooh, can't wait. I made choices. And I will make choices later today and I'll make choices tomorrow. But the price that I pay is nothing compared to the price that I get now and when we get to heaven. It's not only for now. So I'm going to play the song that we played last week. You'll be free to leave while it's playing or you can sit and just sit with God. If you need prayer, come up the front. We'll pray with you. We'll sit up here and we'll pray with you if you want prayer. But I want to, um, you can start playing that, Tony. Just keep it low for a minute. I want to ask you, first off, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a second, please. Because I don't know where you're at right now. But I know that God knows where you are. And I want to ask you, do you actually know this Jesus that I'm talking about? You might know about him. You might have heard about him. But have you ever actually met him? Have you ever really had an encounter with the God of the universe who knows your name? Who knows everything about you? knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows all the good things you've ever done in your life and all the bad things you've ever done in your life. He knows the fears that you have. He knows what excites you. He knows what terrifies you. He knows what saddens you. He knows what angers you. He knows what you love. And he loves you beyond description. I want to ask you, do you know him? If you don't, then please don't leave here without an opportunity to meet him. Come and talk to me or talk to 
the prayer team up here at the end and we will introduce you to him and we will pray that he will be so real in your life that it will be realer than the chair you're sitting on right now. And the next question is, if you do know him, is he challenging you? Is he, is he encouraging you? Is he pushing you to go to the next level, to go to the next step? Because there's always more with God. We never get to the end. There's always more. Always more. So I want to encourage you that, that if God is calling you, that that song becomes your prayer. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. All I have and all I am for your kingdom's cost. Father, I want to thank you for the gift of life today. I want to thank you for the gift of being here with your people. I want to thank you for the, the privilege and the opportunity it is to stand and share your word. And I want to pray that whatever I said today that was of me, you just let it fall to the floor and be forgotten about. But what was of you, what you wanted people to hear, God, I pray that you would soak that deep into their hearts. And that they would know that you're speaking to them. They would know that you love them. They would know that your heart is towards them and is for them and that you want the best for them. And God, I pray that they would learn to be still in your presence and let you speak to them. Let you speak to their hearts. God, I pray your blessing over everyone in this room and over the kids out there too. I pray that your presence would go with them all week. I pray that your resources would be available to them for whatever they need. I pray your hand would be on their life. I pray you would heal them where they need healing. I pray you would resource them where they need resourcing. I pray you would strengthen and you would encourage wherever we are feeling weak and scared. And I pray that the presence of your Holy Spirit would be with them every single day and that you would make your face to shine on them and grant them peace. And I ask it in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, please don't leave the room until we get a chance to pray. If you're fine and you wish to go, just take a copy of the back.